0: On this episode of What's Up with Ward, you have to rethink if you really think your life is busy. Tamia Jones is a mother of six wonderful children and been married for 24 years to her husband, John. She's going to tell us what that's been like, and she's also going to tell us how to do that home-work-life balance thing with a large family, and much, much more, right here on What's Up with Ward. you're now listening to what's up with ward for those of you who may not know this is a podcast that focuses on love life relationships and everything in between everyone has a story to tell and we want to know what's yours and for a long time and regular listeners out there like vet brewer salute again my name is wardy ward and the man with the plan next to me is trey all day in the building what's up with you trey what's going on buddy Ward? hey man i'm doing well and living my best life ever you feel me i would be like you when i grew up man that's what i want to do <laughs> all right hey today on the show we invited an actual person that's the person that superwoman looks up to what this guest is a wonderful wife a devoted mother of six kids an employee that any employee would gladly clone ladies and gentlemen please welcome Ms. mia jones to the show yeah welcome welcome Hello, me. How are you?
1: I am good, and I'm happy to be here with both you, Wardy Ward, and Trey. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, it's our pleasure. So give us your best elevator speech and tell us who you are and what you do before we get started.
1: Absolutely. So I have been a dedicated wife for the past 24 years Um, and my husband and I have six wonderful, amazing children. I do seriously call myself super mom. It actually is that on the back of my license plate. Um, (laughs) So on no given day, do I ever feel that I have a break, but I also don't feel that God feels, you know, that I'm overwhelmed by any means. So I feel that I am definitely an all rounded trick of all trades when it comes to everything that I do within life.
0: All right. Well, there's so many areas that we want to cover with you. So let's just start with your education. What did you go to school at and, and what was your major?
1: Yes, yes. So I am actually a native of Evansville, Indiana. Um, I've only been in the Indianapolis area for the past 10 years. So I actually graduated from the University of Evansville. Um, and I have a degree in social work and then as well as a bachelor's in organizational leadership. So I'm currently working on my MSW that I will complete in less than one year. Okay. Nice.
0: So what do you want to do with that once you get done? What's, what's the next step for you?
1: So my goal is to really put it in um, place with the healthcare. Um, I myself, as you know, have had some serious medical issues regarding my autoimmune disease. And then I have two children that also have autoimmune diseases. And so my goal is for us to open up a Private practice. My oldest is working toward her uh, master's of nursing because she wants to be a nurse practitioner. And then my middle daughter also is a nursing student. So, our goal is to be able to give back to the community and really work with that diverse population of people that are sometimes unheard in the healthcare community. So, to be that vo- voice for those that are not able to speak up for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Go ahead, yeah. question okay,
2: Thank you. It's a very quick question. So, then, you know, with everything that you got going on, Super Mom, all this free time that you've got going on, and you have this <laughs> little thing called COVID still going on. So, how are you managing uh, currently with the situation? With you know, going through everything you've got going on personally and professionally, and you know, academically? How, how are you balancing all these things?
1: So I'm so glad that you bring up the whole piece of COVID um, because when I think of peace, I'm also meaning the word as peace of mind. So it has not been peaceful in my neck of the woods with COVID, but only because we have three people in this household that are imu- immune compromised. And so we have had to take it up on our on our part to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to keep not just myself safe because I am the one that pretty much is the caregiver of the, of the household, but I also have a 15-year that's type one diabetic. And my oldest daughter who just turned 23, she has MS um, and receives infusion therapy. So we have pretty much Um, been a hands-off household, so we don't really have guests that come over and visit with us. Um, And I am also able to work from home. I will share with you that my husband had a severe case of COVID, he's a supervisor, and God is so good that every one of us in the household were spared because none of us got it, although we were all interacting with each other the whole entire time, not knowing that he had COVID. Mm -hmm. So again, um, I am very OCD, and I've been OCD since I can remember. Like my mother used to always say, oh my gosh, enough because i'm that person that will walk in the grocery store and i'm not picking the item that's in the front i'm kind of going to the back because i feel like everybody touches everything that's right there and fortunately for me my kiddos are the same way so they are very cautious when it comes to kind of like that germaphobe um and so things that they are telling us that we should be doing washing your hands and social distancing i'm an intro so that social distancing piece has always been me. I will hug and kind of coddle people that I'm close to, but not everybody. Um, and I need my own space and my own distance. And so my kids are the same way. So um, the ability to be able to work from home has allowed me to let the kids do the virtual learning. It's been challenging because I have kiddos that learn differently, and so we've kind of had to cater the programs online to kind of best fit them so they're not getting behind. Um, you know, when I feel comfortable with putting them back. In the school system. Workforce-wise, though, it's been a challenge, too, because a lot of the work that I do, it's more of that face-to-face interaction. And so, again, I'm just having to do everything in my power to protect myself and ensure that those around me are protecting me as well. So that's masking and social distancing.
0: Okay. Going back to that autoimmune deficiency, um, forgive me, but I really don't know what that means. Can you expound that a little bit and tell me what really what does that entail?
1: I can. So I was diagnosed with lupus and mixed connective tissue disease. So that is basically where my autoimmune system or my body attacked its, attacks itself. Oh. So unfortunately with the lupus piece, my heart lungs um, have been compromised previously. Um, so I've had many bouts of pleurisy as well as, Mm. um, it's called pericarditis, which is where you actually get hardening around your heart. Um, Mm. but the good thing about it is, you know, I follow what my doctors recommend, um, but then I do a lot of natural stuff and I've taken a lot of stuff away from what I eat that tend to flare up inflammation in people's bodies that we don't know about. Mm. Um, and it's even gotten better that my son was diagnosed with diabetes because a lot more foods we've had to take away from him. So we've taken away from the whole entire household to keep everybody healthy. Because what I will tell you about autoimmune diseases is that they typically run in families. What's unfortunate for us is that I am kind of like a fluke because I don't know of anybody in my family um, that was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. But I'm going to tell you that when I think about my older black family members that are no longer with us, they oftentimes didn't go to the doctor and take medications for stuff. If they didn't feel a certain type of way, they kind of changed what they did at home. So do I feel that someone could have had it and just was probably never rightfully diagnosed? Absolutely. Right. Because it couldn't have just started with me. So um, it has been my advocacy to make sure that the doctors are following my children as we go along um, because it took a a while for me to really get a solid diagnosis. And I think they're still on the fence. But the same applied with my daughter. It took us almost two years and for her MS to be way further advanced than what it should have been because none of the doctors wanted to listen, which again is why my focus on the social work and the nursing aspect for us is um, being that voice that Black and brown people need because oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's just tossed up like it's high anxiety or you're just having these headaches because you know as they say to me too you're super mom you're doing so much so it took a while for my diagnosis too because they also think that we as black women can bear a lot of things on our shoulders and we are okay with the pain that we have um and they're not in our body so they have no idea Mm.
0: yeah
1: you know
2: i i i I too had a uh, my mother she actually passed away from an autoimmune uh Situation as well. That's one of the contributing factors. So I get 100% what you're saying. Um, have you found that you, you mentioned something very key that I thought was interesting about the uh, trying to get as much uh, inflammation out of the body as possible? Have you found that after you modified your diet that you're staying away from certain foods, like you mentioned? What what types of foods are you currently staying away from, just to kind of ensure that you're putting yourself in a better situation, but also for for your children with this, with uh, uh, autoimmune uh, conditions as well.
1: Yes. So what I would tell you, Trey, is that um, right off the back after I knew that I had an autoimmune disease, one of the things that we definitely had to cut back on were your porks and your red meats in general, wow. um, because that is something that has a um, bad effect for those that have higher Um, response to inflammation. And so my problem was always inflammation. And because growing up, I'm just going to tell you, I have a black mother that cooks soul food all the time. And so a lot of the things that I was pushing in my body were a lot of the things that my body was rejecting and did not need. So um, we do a lot of lean meats and actually we eat more chicken and kind of, um, I'm not a fish eater, but my kids are. So we do like a lot of the fish. Um, One of the things that we also used to do is I felt like we were a pasta family, but now that my son has been diagnosed with um, diabetes, pasta is something that we have to give him in moderation. He can't have a lot of that because that really intensifies his condition. So for me, it's always like our vegetables, like green leafy vegetables. Like we are, we are full of vegetables and fruits, but I like fresh vegetables and fresh fruits because they really help. Um, and then we don't do carbonated beverages mm. um, because that too is another high factor. Um, but I'm going to share with you because I I'll, I'll, I'll share this with everybody that I'm in touch with too. Sometimes my condition Um, is worsened because I have never been a water drinker and I'm still not a water drinker today. I do the best that I can to try to get more water in my body, but Mm -hmm. it's not something that I've ever been keen to drinking. And seriously, when I would drink it, it, it sometimes makes me think that I'm sick, but I know that it's just more mm-hmm. mental because I don't like mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, that is a driving force that I have to continually work on with myself because I know that it will promote it to be better. Um, and I'll also share because I've cut back on my diet and things that I eat. I right now am not taking any medication and haven't for, since the pandemic started actually, wow. for my condition. But just because when you're at home and paying more attention, there are a lot of things that i felt that i've been able to get on top of mm-hmm. that have um allowed me to be better with the condition instead of it running me i'm kind of running it
2: makes perfect mm-hmm. sense you know I, I too have found that uh, I, i'll be honest with you and 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 wardy knows me very well that i've had to cut out certain carbonated drinks that i love uh, if i could endorse a certain Drink known as Coke Zero, I would. However, we're not paid for that. So <laughs> right. Kind of, kind of switch gears and uh, really upped my my water intake to a point where I'm trying to work up to like a gallon a day. And I look at my my, my coolers here, and I'm looking, drinking this water down. I'm thinking, man, I could I could. It's amazing how you can drink down a, a, a two liter, but you can't get down you know 120 ounces of water. That's the truth. Yes, that's
1: yes, too. I so agree. Trey, uh, Mine was Dr Pepper, so I was a okay. Dr Pepper okay. junkie. Um, all day every day and I'm going to tell you that when um, right before COVID happened well during the time we just didn't know exactly what it is I had gotten deathly sick and so I swear that at the very beginning of the pandemic I had COVID um, but I, I mean I, I don't have doc- documentation that states that but every symptom that was related to it I had it but of course I went in and seen my doctor she said I was having a flare with my autoimmune system so that's kind of how we treated it but during that time I was feeling as if I was seriously having a heart attack but I was also taking hydroxychloroquine with which is Plaquenil, the same thing that these fools were saying we could take, and mm-hmm. it was killing off the virus. And I, I'm i telling you, it was killing me. Because as I was feeling that I'm having these severe heart palpitations and, and different things like that, I tell her. Um, shortly after telling her this and telling her, I just don't want to take it at all. So we went down from twice a day to once a day to when I'm like, I'm not taking it. Because it's even with one, I'm still feeling what I'm feeling that I hadn't been feeling before. Now, mind you, I was sick. So when I think back about it, do I feel like it could have been impact in my heart, like it's killed people because it's giving people heart attacks, right? Um, I don't know. And I'm not a, a medical doctor, but if I had to put my money on it, I would say that that is exactly what was going on with me because when they are testing us down the line to find out if you've ever had it, I'm probably going to be that person that has had it um, and just didn't know because it was too early in the game. But I'm I, because I also was diagnosed at that time, they told me that I was having a severe case of GERDs, um, so gastrointestinal things. So they were like, cut out the carbonated drinks and let's see if it helps. Well, as soon as I stopped drinking and it didn't happen right away, it took some time before I started to realize, oh, my gosh, I think it's the soda. Because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, a lot of the pressure that I was having kind of like in my chest area um, was starting to go away. But another thing that I'll share with you is that as it was slowly going away, my headache started to intensify Uh because then my body was going through withdrawals of not having caffeine, which is the worst. Um, Mm -hmm. So in trying to counteract that. Um, I kind of, I talked to this other doctor that is more of a natural remedy doctor. Mm-hmm. She had suggested that I just get dark chocolate and like, um, you kind of want to get that 70% of higher of the cocoa in it right. and just take a, a, a bite of it. Like, you know, and so you break it off into little bars and every time I would do it, I'm telling you, it was almost better than taking naproxen because it would knock my headache out. But it also gave me that caffeine, that little bit of caffeine that I needed in my body too.
2: Mm. I have one more question because I'm loving this. I'm loving this. So uh, I don't want to take all the time on health stuff. But did you find that you know when you're having your conversations with your medical provider and you're telling them, hey, look, I, I know something's going on. This is what I want to do. Were you finding a lot of pushback and resistance from them well, saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm the expert on this and it took longer for them to buy into what you're wanting to do? And how did you overcome that situation?
1: So T.A. knows me very well. well Ward, Ward knows me well. So let me share with you this. Um, I'm just this person that um, I am going to listen to you and I want you to listen to me. But at some point we have to agree to disagree. And because I feel that I control my health because I know my body better than anybody else. It's one of those things that I always say. if for some reason it doesn't work or we come in and we run my numbers and my numbers are all off whack. I am willing to go back on the medication to ensure that I am as healthy as I can be. But we need to try something different because what we are doing is not working. So I tend to stand firm on what it is that I feel that they need to hear from me. But I'm also going to tell you, um, we moved here 10 years ago and I have probably fired more doctors than I have um, had the health care that is needed because those that are not willing to listen are those that I don't want caring for me right so those doctors that we go into and it's always their way or no way those are doctors that don't work best for me because we're going to clash right off the top because if i can't come in and share with you exactly how i'm feeling and what i know my body is going through and you're not taking it for word value then there's really at that point to me right there you have established that there's nothing that they can do for me or nothing that i'm going to be able to give to them so um that's kind of how i do mine i've done the same thing with my oldest daughter i want her to advocate for herself but i need her to be an understanding patient but she needs to have understanding doctors like doctors who are seriously listening and trying to move forward to find a, a prognosis right we always say it's a diagnosis but i want the best prognosis because i don't want this disease you know uh defining my entire life
2: do you find it do you find that as a people people of color do you find that it's harder for us to be our own advocates for our health in those instances and what do you think we can do to, to you know? Have those 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 real crucial conversations with our providers and let them know, hey, look, this is legit. This is not in my head, and we need to do something different. Is there something we can do about that as well, too, as individuals and as a as a people?
1: Yeah, so um right now this is interesting too because in my Masters of Social Work program, we are talking about the healthcare piece. Um, because of course my my focus is healthcare. And so what we talk about is how can social workers advocate for those that are out there that feel as if they are not being heard Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that it says is that we have to learn to teach people to speak up for themselves because if we don't do it and we don't have an advocate to do it then no one is doing it for us right so Mm -hmm. i am just going to say that what has worked best for me may not work best for everyone because not everybody is going to be you know people will say it's aggressive right no i say i'm assertive so Mm -hmm. i am very upfront and personal when it comes to my health care and when it comes to me feeling that I need to be in the best health because I have a family to take care of. So normally when I go in there, that's my whole approach. I want to hear you, but I need you to understand that I need you to hear me. Right. We are this. So when people need to think about health care, they need to think about health care as being dual care. That is the doctor caring for you and caring for your needs and you being able and allowed to share your concerns with that doctor and that doctor willingly listening. Right. And so, you know, people talk about patient centered care. Right. Patient centered care is important because that is what actually having that dual relationship. And I feel that people would see that in the very beginning of that meaningful relationship when you're building it in the very beginning of of the foundation with that doctor. And if you aren't getting that, in the very beginning, you're not going to get it in the end either. So I always have said, if I walk in, just like whenever we set a first impression, doctors do the exact same thing. So that first time that you meet them, if you automatically know, they're like, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this, but they're not listening to what you say. That is probably your key to know that this is not going to be the doctor that's going to be best working with you in your health condition. Is it easy? No. Have I had more pushback than I have people that have given in? Absolutely. I have a doctor right now and that every time she says something, she's like, don't kick me, don't hit me, right? Well, <laughs> of course, she's given me her version and she wants me to hear her out and I will, but she that conversation i don't think this is good because of this but if you are saying that it will help with this what are the side effects like i ask those questions too because we need to know if i'm already having these certain things going on with me right now and this medication is going to intensify that tell me that right because then i don't want to be the one saying i'm not going to take this because now this is going on because you didn't share this very important information with me
0: wow <laughs> what's it like to, to to go in there To i mean how did you know you could talk to the doctors like that because like i said for so many people I know, we just go, whatever the doctor says, like Siri, take the wheel, whatever he says, what I'm going to do. How did you come up with that? Uh, I don't know. I guess moxie to go in and be like that.
1: So I think um, for me, Ward, what happened is um, when I was first diagnosed with lupus. I was in the hospital for 13 days before these doctors really figured out that it was my autoimmune disorder. And during this time, um, I had also just had a new baby. I had went through a divorce um, and there was a lot going on. So at that time, I felt like all of them were acting as if I was just under all this stress and my body just had shut down because I was just doing too much. And deep down inside, I knew like this is not what it is. Like something is seriously wrong with me, right? Because I had been feeling this way and I could not get on top of it. Um, So I think that once it took my and I and my baby at that time. I got sick. I had him in May. I got sick in August, so I was hospitalized in August. So what ended up happening is it took me reaching out and being upset and in tears with my um, OB doctor because he was calling to check on check in on me because my mother had to take my son to his appointment and I'm explaining to him like what's going on and he comes in he automatically says I feel like this is autoimmune related. So it took somebody that's not even in the practice, not even in the ER, to say have they looked at this because this is what it sounds like. To me right and of course as soon as they checked it that's Beautiful. exactly what it was but again it was because me and him had this very good relationship he was uh 100 truly committed during my whole entire pregnancy when we were running into hiccups during that pregnancy is when i think that my um, autoimmune system really showed its face because everything happened after I had the baby, which is kind of what happens with lupus. It shows its face either during pregnancy or right after. So here we are, he's not even, I had him in um, May. I got sick in August. So when it hit in August, it just kind of had all festered itself up to where all of a sudden it just attacked every organ in my body um, after having him. But again, that relationship that I have with him is the relationship that I knew at that day I wanted to have with all of my providers. And if they were not gonna give me what he gave back then then they're no good for me today because i wouldn't have had the diagnosis had it not been for him
0: okay yeah that'll do it let me ask you this since you have this auto uh issue going on how did that affect you with the covid shot have you taken that i know a lot of people are on the fence on that and just wonder what's your stance on the covid
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am also this person that I feel that it's everybody's choice, and I am not going to knock you whether you get it or whether you don't. And deep down in my heart, I feel as if it is showing more good than it is bad. But I also feel some things are not shared with us because they don't want us to know certain things because they don't want us our reactions to be like, oh my gosh, we're not going to get this because X, Y, and Z has happened to these people and it may happen to me. For me, I have shared with my providers I am not comfortable at this point getting it because when you are. All cannot really say 100% why my disease does this and this when others don't, or why this has happened to me, but it's not happened. Like if I'm one, one in 500,000 with this piece affecting me, right? You don't know enough about me for you to say that this so-called safe vaccination is going to be okay with my diagnosis. So, um, we kind of have this understanding and this, you know, once there are enough people in the study that have the same two autoimmune diseases that I have and things seem well, then, yes, I am going to say that I will nine times out of 10 get it because I have to protect my littles in this household, too. Um, but right now, no, I am not vaccinated. Therefore, I still have to do everything in my power to protect myself. Um, Are my doctors really on board with me not being vaccinated? They're not. Right. But because they listen to me and they know my concerns and they validate my concerns, they are 100 percent comfortable with me not getting at this time. But they also kind of put in play things that I should and or should not do. So for my work, for instance, um, we have to travel. And with the travel, one of my travel sites, I have to actually fly by plane. My providers Just like I'm not comfortable or not comfortable with that because it's not a ventilated area. Right. So when you're on a flight, it's not ventilated enough for me to be on there feeling safe or safe. I'm going to be at higher exposure than anybody else that's vaccinated on the plane. So those are things that they are also watching and ensuring for me, too, is to make sure that I am still protected under all aspects of what I do within my home and outside of my home.
2: You know, Mr. Me, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was going to ask you that question, but you need to get out of my head because I was going to ask that
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, so glad that I I'll... could answer it for both of you all.
2: It's <laughs> so funny because I was thinking, like, do you feel that sometimes these these doctors are offering drugs based on what cells reps are bringing in, basically peddling some of these medications? I'm not saying all doctors are doing this. I just kind of feel like you know, they're offering these medications or these treatments or these regimens without knowing all the side effects to your point of your conditions as well. Um, and it kind of feels like they're guessing too. You know what I'm
1: saying? So Absolutely. And I want to I want to address that uh, for a moment too. Um, so, and I know we don't want to stay on the medical piece, but it's it stands true to everything because even though my daughter's diagnosis took a long time for us to get, um, once she got it, her neurologist had stated, you know. We can do it. Well, we can basically um, allow you to do the COVID vaccination before we actually start your first infusion, but I'm more worried about what it may do because we're not on top of your disease yet, right? So mm-hmm. he felt like we needed to step back before we do that because we had not started any treatment on her. So then if we give her this vaccination that and we know vaccinations are safe, so I by no means my kids have been vaccinated, um, you know, since they needed to be vaccinated, and I have been too. So I am not an anti-vaxxer, and when people it that way. And then I have to set them straight too. But in the same sense, when you have a medical provider that knows that it is something that she he feels that she needs, he felt that it's not the right time to do it. And then what had to happen after that is we got the infusion and then we were thinking, okay, we'll wait a little bit of time and then ensure that she gets the COVID vaccination because my daughter was sick, sick for a while. Um, but then we couldn't because after they did a little bit more study, it won't be as effective. So with the infusion in her body, then we run into this period where it's not even going to be as effective and then we really don't know how it is going to react in her body or with her body with the medication so we she can't even move forward until we actually get the full dose which is the second infusion for her which won't happen until December and then after December she should be okay to do it but that's also give and take if the doctor feels that her every all of her levels look good enough for her to get it. So yes, the doctors absolutely need to pay attention to that too, especially whenever they know what they are treating a person for and where that person is within that treatment process. So I've been dealing with mine for way longer than hers, but because she's newer, that doctor is looking at that piece too, right? But not everybody else is because really it's just being forced down everybody's throat to get it. It's a vaccination is safe. I had a flu vaccination and ended up in the hospital two times, two years in a row, back to back. And the doctors were still screaming at me, it's not because of the vaccination. So you mean to tell me that both times this exact same thing has occurred? And you're saying it's not because of the flu vaccination. So then whenever I show them the receipts, as young people say, right? This happened the very next day, this happened the very next day. Then what they realized is that third year, because my work required me to get it or I can't work, right? Um, That third year, I already knew, okay, I'm gonna get this vaccination. I'm gonna be deathly sick for four days and I'm just gonna take off work. What had happened is I had, I was not feeling well and they had put me on a dose of prednisone, which is a steroid that almost can knock out anything. So I have been on on this steroid. And what ended up happening is my doctor calls and says, hey, you know, I see that you're coming in for the flu vaccination. I'm going to put this off for a couple of weeks because if we give it to you on the scheduled date, it's not going to be as effective. And I said, well, you do know that every time I get it, I get sick. So if you think about every time I get it, that I get sick, can we maybe wait out a little bit longer? She then said, now she will not go on record saying that she said this. But she said, actually, no, when we get it at that time, I guarantee you, you're not going to have the same effect that you had before because this prednisone is in your body. And let me just tell you that once I got it, I was not sick thereafter. So mm. that medicine was still working in my body where it offset some of the side effects that I had previously or the, the previous two years with the vaccination. So is it a one for all? No, because last year when I had a request that she did it again, she was like, I don't remember that. Well, I know that I didn't do it because of that no, you didn't. I was sick at that time, but I'm just asking you. Give me prednisone so I can now take the flu vaccination. <laughs> oh, so and wow. it, it's, it's sometimes going back and doing those things too because they have to protect themselves too, right? So at no point are they going to say something or put something on the record, and then my family can come back and sue them if something was to happen to me after the fact. So I get that too, but I want them to just understand. I want some transparency so I know what happened and I know how it happened. And even if you don't remember, go look at your records because I need you to help me so I am not sick for four days.
0: You know your own physiology better than them. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, let me pivot over here a little bit to uh, the relationship piece. Now, going back to six kids, uh, I think the oldest is 23.
1: That's correct. And how old is your youngest? My youngest is nine. How did you
0: navigate having kids and working or did you work full-time or how did you how i had two and i struggled
1: right so um for me in the very beginning um We actually had to take fertility drugs to get the first two babies, so it was hard work for us to get those um, first two babies. Um, And during the first two, I only worked part time and I was still finishing my degree because I was one of these people that my mother was like, "You go straight to college and you're gonna get done." Well, I fell in love, right, and then I put college on the back burner, which happens to a lot of us. Like life changes, Um, and so I was fortunate enough for with the first two to be able to kind of juggle the part time work and the part time school and being a full time mom and a full time wife. Um, And as I had more kids, my responsibilities grew bigger, but then I also was kind of finished with my degree. And now I'm able to work full time because I was able to juggle the first two. So by the time that third one came, it almost came um, just naturally, right? So now, and and for me, I'm gonna tell you again, because of my uh, OC personality, um, I already had everything kind of on a strict schedule. Um, But in doing all of this, after five years into our marriage, things started to go sour for us. So we divorced. So I ended up going through a divorce with my spouse Um, and it was due to infidelity on his part. And that's no Mm -hmm. right or wrong, right? But for a woman at that time, feeling that I'm doing everything that I need to do, I'm trying to be there for him. I'm being there for the kids. I'm trying to better myself for the whole entire household. Um, I've given him the opportunity to return to school to get some of his education that he needed to get, you know, advance in his career. And then that happened. So when that happened, it allowed me to do my own soul searching and re-identifying why I have to love myself first to be able to receive the love that I feel that I need from somebody else, but then also to understand my value and my worth and why I feel a man should have me at the top at all times too. Um, and I will tell you that God again, works in mysterious ways because during the time of our divorce, I continued to pray for him, but I was praying that I did not decide to wait and get married and have kids because I could have had kids with just any guy that I had dated before. Right. So I was trying to do it the way that I thought was going to work best for my life. And in praying for it, God got us back together. So we were separated for three years, kind of working on our friendships of the co-parenting and the co-parenting was going so well. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're better friends now we're not divorced. I felt part of that was due to the fact that I no longer feel his obligation to me um, is affecting our relationship, right? So like you need to give to me and the kids first and foremost out next to God. And as we are growing and building that relationship that I think was lost in the marriage and also was kind of um, broken because of the trust and loyalty issues, our friendship blossomed into something that I don't even think that we have in the beginning the very first time. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, during that whole entire process, we end up deciding we're going to date again and see how things go. And so we dated again. I had already bought my own house because we sold our first house. So I was living in a house that I had purchased for myself with me and my kids. by myself um, and we were kind of playing that whole dating game and it probably took almost two years before we actually moved back in together but once we moved back in together I will tell you that I seen the changes in him, but I also have made changes within myself that I think that he's seen. And then thereafter, all of that, everything kind of worked itself back together. It manifested 10 times better than what it was before. And then not only have we reconciled, we remarried five years after that. So um, I count my blessings on that, too, because we've been through hell and high water, I must say, within the relationship. I mean, there were points of times to where I felt like I hated him to the core, Mm -hmm. but then was so thankful and so blessed because even if our relationship was not going to flourish, he had given me something that the doctors told me a long, long, long time ago I would never have, which were children. You know, at at 17 years of age, they wanted to do a complete hysterectomy, which again is when they say this whole connected tissue piece had already been in my body because my internal organs were already being kind of destroyed by this madness of this, you know, um, autoimmune disease that had already been splurging in my body that we didn't know about. So, uh, again, I I take our relationship seriously, and I I am thankful to God that he was able to work through and on both of us to get us where we need to be at. But I also feel like I'm a walking testimony, but I'm also not that friend that you can come to and say, you know, this is going on in my relationship. What should I do? Because I feel that everybody knows what it is that they need if they take a deep look. But I also am that person that was like, I do not want to rush into another relationship when I already feel broken. Because how am I going to be able to give to the next person that's trying to give to me? if it's the right way when I don't even know who I am at this point
0: hmm. Did your kids know why you guys broke up?
1: So initially, no, um, because my kids were young. So when we okay. so Rajani is my oldest. And so she was a kindergartner when we were going through the divorce. And of course, all of my family, because most of my family is married and they've been married for years. They were like, this is the honeymoon stage. Like you guys haven't given it enough time. And I felt that way. But deep down in my heart, I was like, I don't know that you give somebody time that's cheating on you. Right. Because I don't think that it's time that they needed space. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just wasn't willing to stand up to the test of times. My grandfather was so angry at me because he was like, that's the problem with this younger generation. Y'all don't know how to fight for what you want. You know, you give up too easy. You give in too easy. Um, And that's something that stood true to me, too. So as I continue to kind of walk through what is it that I really want, I knew in my heart of heart, I wanted me and my husband to be together. And throughout the whole entire time, I'm thinking, what do I need to do and or how can I do it for me? So eventually we can possibly get back together. But in the same sense, I had to look at what is it that he wants to, because if it's going to be a partnership, it needs to be a partnership and not a parentship, because sometimes people get in relationships and somebody is still trying to be the parent to that other adult in the household. And that is not what I was willing to do because Mm -hmm. I did not push him out and therefore I'm not going to raise him. Right. Mm -hmm. So he has to do that part by himself. So that growth was his responsibility, not mine. But I am here for him to lean on for me to help him getting there. But I'm not going to establish it totally for him. Was there counseling involved in there or did he just kind of grow on his own? There was definitely counseling. So when we went through our divorce in the state of Indiana, they require you to go through what is called a parenting class. And then you also have to go through six sessions of counseling. Um, And it needs they really wanted to be completed within the first six months of the divorce. So we were going to these therapy and counseling classes together. And what was kind of interesting is through the processes, I was learning a lot of things about him that I did not know during our marriage. Okay. Um, and I think that that is also A lot of the things that were uncovered during our counseling session are a lot of reasons that I think that he was, quote unquote, acting out um, in the manners that he was, because there were some things in his life that he had not addressed, you know, and there were some demons hiding in his closet that I did not know of that he absolutely did not know what to do with. So once we were working through that piece, I think that that's also the reason why he was able to overcome some of the things that were going on with him that I didn't even know about Mm -hmm. and work through those to become the better man that he is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that a lot of times we get in these relationships and we don't know everything about somebody because they tend to tell us what they feel is most important or most mm-hmm. valuable. And what we don't always learn about are those deep, dark secret secrets that have been hurtful or that make them look at life totally different. Right. Um, and I think that that was going on with him, but then I also feel like there were some of those things that were going on with me too, because I had never felt as insecure and broken as I did once everything happened in the marriage, because I felt like I'm this person that my mother had just pushed and my stepfather had just pushed to you know be proud of yourself uh be that outspoken girl when you need to you are a strong black little girl like you've got all these talents all these dreams all this ambition and then you're hurt by the person that you love and then you feel like i no longer know how to identify who i am because i am at the weakest point of my life and i'm feeling like i am the weakest link in this marriage
2: Mm. you know when you were going through the the counseling session with with your, your your husband and your your thinking about these various situations and, and, and understanding, you know, man, that's the reason why this situation may have gotten so heated. How, do, how, how are you using those same skills now? Those, those discussions to, to maintain a, a even kill when it comes to that emotional thermostat in the relationship. And, and, and as you know, it's going to be highs and lows every single day. And, you know, why don't you squeeze in the middle of the tube of the toothpaste and everything yes. goes sideways. So how, you know, how is that going when it comes to managing that part of the, of the relationship?
1: So that is, that is a good question and it's also something that we still have to work on every single day. When we first reconciled, I'm going to tell you that some of the things that I felt that I was overlooking before, because there was one time that we had this long, um, we had a session and he said that if I would just open up my eyes that I would see. And, and that hit me to my core because I'm thinking, what am I missing, right? But I sometimes think that we are so focused on how we need to be for our husband or the things that we think our husband needs and how we need to take care of this child that we have together and how I need to mold this to be the right way that I was missing out on some of the cues that he thought that I was seeing that I was not seeing. Right. So, um, yes, in the very beginning, when he first came back, if I called him and he didn't answer his phone, my brain automatically went to like, oh, my God, he's with somebody else. Right? <laughs> um, and it was so hard to turn that off. Oh, it wow. was hard to turn it off. And because it was hard for me to turn it off. We had to have ongoing conversations. And he was like, I am just sick and tired of everything that I am living for today is still things that are in the rear view. Like if I have let them go and walked away from them, I need you to let them go and walk away. Well, that right there became the most heated conversation because um, and I think I shared this with Ward before. It is very easy for somebody to tell you what you need to walk away from. But it is very hard for you to absolutely know where that person really stands with that. So people don't control your feelings, they control their own, but they can control how they can hurt or affect your feelings, right? So I had to say to him, if roles were reversed, and I was the one running around here being a little loose Lucy, I don't think that you would feel the same way. But then maybe you would because men tend to think differently about certain things. But most men that I know that have had a woman that have cheated on them, they kind of walk away and don't want to walk back, right? Women sometimes tend to think about what can I do different? or Why did this happen or what sexual desire does he have that I'm not giving and how can I blah, blah, blah? Well, I'm also not that person because I'm not going to be your freaky Friday and doing like crazy wild stuff. But in the same sense, if you don't communicate with me, then I don't know what it is that we may be missing in our relationship. Right. So you have to come to me and not seek it from somewhere else. So I think that that became our driving force of us trying to look at. What is it that I need from you that I don't feel that you give me? And what is it that you need from me that I can give to you? So it's always having that open in communication. But instead of answering a lot of the yes, no questions, it needs to be a conversation where they're open ended questions. And sometimes those are hard open ended questions, too. Right. I do sometimes sit here and think like when I'm asking you. Um, intimate questions of what it is that you need, because I don't want you cheating anymore. I want you to be honest and tell me what it actually is. It doesn't mean that I'm going to say, yep, I'm game. We can try that. We could. It doesn't mean that, but it means we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk through it and we're going to try to figure something out. Um, And I needed that from him because, again, I did not want to be this person sitting here feeling like now he's worked so hard and given us the world because we live a a very nice, lovely life, I must say. And my Mm -hmm. husband works very hard for us. But in the same sense, I don't want to be that woman that I was before. where here. You're out here working hard, but you're working the streets too, right? Like you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. So um, I had to share with him that it. What comes with that is you have to make me feel that I am with a loyal man. Like it can't just be your talk, it has to be your action. So mm. once I start to see more of your action, I think it will calm my soul to know that we are really connected the way that we need to be. And I'm not feeling as if I am being led astray again, because I didn't know before until it just smacks me in my face, right? It's not like you came and told me, your female came and told me. So I, mm. I, I just, mm. you know, it's one of those things to where you have to, um, be understanding of each other's needs. But I also am going to tell you that's how I ended up having some serious heart to heart conversations with my kids, too, because he and I came to terms during one of our sessions. If this if you were the boyfriend of one of our daughters and you were treating our daughter that way but it's gonna be a God treating her that way. How does that make you feel? And like they ask us that during the counseling session. And then of course my husband was like, well, I'm not gonna have that going on in my house and my daughters, well, why would they know or how would they know if they already see you doing that to their mom, right? So those are things that we had to walk away from the relationship thinking about, right? What and or how do we wanna set the tone for our kids? what are we willing to allow them to see? So, you know, I used to always say this, I don't want other people tainting my kids, right? I know what our values and our core this and that is, and I want to instill it, and I want to make sure that everything that I do for them, that I am a role model, that is a positive role model in their life. So we should not have been subjecting our kids to things that one person thinks is okay, another person thinks it's not okay, because then you have these kids that are just completely confused. Well, mommy's staying with daddy and daddy's got other girlfriends, right? No because I don't want my daughters growing up thinking it's okay as long as he's taking care of home he can have other friends right but then my husband had to look at it in the bigger picture like yeah because if somebody was treating my daughter that way I'd be ready to kill him same mm-hmm. applies mm-hmm. for you buddy
2: mm-hmm. you know that being said how how, how did your your I know Wars a real big fan of this as well to so your love language and his love language and personality types how do those come together when you're having those true real conversations, conversations? how do those two things play out
1: I'm going to tell you that initially it was hard because mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I am that person that needs more of the physical components of what you're doing and not the verbal for him he needs to hear it right i need to see it so we are completely opposite on that end so if i'm telling him every day i love you right he's hearing it and he's believing it if he was telling me every day i love you i hear it but i don't know that i was believing it right because a person who loves me should not be out here cheating on me a person who loves me should not be lying to me so for me his words or his value of his words were uh, kind of uh In destruction because of the fact I already knew what I had lived. So. For us, I'm telling you, it was the constant conversations. And a lot of times we would lay in the bed and instead of us going to sleep, we're talking for hours just about us and Mm -hmm. things that we need us to be, to be in us, right? So it's easy for people to see from the outside thinking everything looks good. No, inside of here, we're still trying to figure out and identify what we need to do to be the best people to one another. So um, it is still work in progress because even though at this point, like honestly, for the past seven years i <laughs> I can say that I feel I'm really not going to say seven. I'm gonna give him a solid five because I think that we've kind of gone through a, a, a few little things and challenges, and it's only because sometimes as the mom and me taking on this whole super mom role that I know I don't have to. It just is who I am. Um, we kind of butt heads there too because he works real hard outside of the home, but sometimes I feel there are some things you can help me with in the home. When my husband leaves and goes to work, there's already a meal prepared, so he's taking a hot meal and then whatever he wants to have for his first his first meal. But it's just because that's the type a wife that I choose to be. But then there are some times that I'm like, let's say on a day that my, my condition is a little bad. It shouldn't be why I have to say, hey, there's laundry in the dryer. Can you at least go get it and fold it or take it to the kids and have the kids to fold it? I need you to put in the same that I put in in areas that are not really your areas when you see that they are a little bit at default, right? So um, those are things that we still work on. Like, um, And those are, I think, are the challenges of every relationship because there's no such thing as a perfect being. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. And what we have to do is identify what we see as our best. And if we can identify what our best is, then we should be able to give that to somebody But then we also need to know what our worth and our value is and what we feel that we need from someone else and convey that through verbal conversation.
0: Mm. Mm. Do do you forgive? uh, Did you forgive him when he apologized or should he have even said,
1: I'm sorry for what I did? So, no, because um, and Trey, you may think this is crazy, but I, I, I feel like I've touched base on this. With you a long time ago ward but i feel like sometimes when we do things to people and it is going to cause hurt or harm and we know that it is and we still do it i don't feel that as a human being you should be able to say you're sorry because you knew what you were doing and you knew that it was going to cause harm like your intent was not good Right? If I am walking and I accidentally step on your foot because I'm not paying attention, I'm on my phone, I'm talking to my kids in the buggy that I'm pushing, I'm going to say I'm sorry because I seriously did that on accident and it deserves an apology. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes feel that what we do as a human being is we take away the fact that a person wronged you and they knew that they wronged you, right? So if we teach kids right and wrong, adults know right and wrong too. So when you know what the consequences of your actions are and you absolutely know how that person may feel after you do something, because of your action you shouldn't be able to apologize and get away with it because I felt like each time he had did something and I would be like okay because I'm telling you I would get a new rock I would get a new ring a new necklace a new something every time he did something wrong and that was just his way of being like I got away with it again I got away with it again I got away so then you become somebody's doormat so then I had to say to him every time you say you're sorry you take a piece of my soul away you take a piece of me feeling as if I am worthy Every time you do it. And as a person, you should not have that much of me to do it. Right. Because if somebody doesn't give you your joy or your happiness, you shouldn't let them take it away. Right. I was being forced at that point because every time he said he was sorry, I wanted to believe him. But the sorries didn't lead up to his next actions because he would do it again. So no, it was very hard for me to accept his apology. So in this time and day right now, it's usually a conversation like this. I've done something I know is probably going to upset you, but I want to talk about it. And then okay. he to share that, right? And that's yes. how we need to be open and honest about what we do. Because when we know that it's going to cause somebody harm, I need you to own up to it. I need you to acknowledge it, and I also need you to coldheartedly accept it when you're telling me face to face.
2: I love what you just said there because that's that self destructive behavior that of trying to make amends. Uh, what what I take from this that's like putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. It's not going to solve the problem, you know. It's not. So, so kudos. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate what you're saying, too, because obviously uh, you're a phenomenal woman. So for you to forgive him, I know he has to really work hard to meet your standards. Do you think that you've uh, do you think when he did uh, step out that it was something that you did too, to that contributing to this or was it just something that was innate in him?
1: So I'm going to tell you 100 percent during the time that we were going through our issues, I blamed myself daily. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you that I feel like I blame myself daily because here we are um, during, we were planning our wedding, but I'm also taking fertility drugs at the same time because the doctor had already told us that it may take three or four years before we know which direction we need to go with this. So we decided we were going to put that work in while we were going through this whole thing. I just so happened to be my doctor's very first case of the second dose that they give me, I become pregnant. So I become pregnant while we're planning our wedding. Mm And so because I felt like at that time I'm juggling being a new wife. I had already been a good girlfriend to him and he had been a wonderful boyfriend to me, but then you're juggling, you know, your marriage. I'm juggling trying to do school. I'm juggling working part-time. And then this baby comes along. So then you're trying to juggle everything. And then two years later we have this other baby that comes along. Right. So now we are just a happy little nestled family. So I thought, but I'm going to tell you that a lot of times he, and this, I didn't learn some of this stuff until after we had gone through some of our therapy sessions. Um, counseling sessions whatever you want to call them let me tell you that he shared with me during one that sometimes he was offended because he would say we should do something this weekend and I would call up my friends that had kids and boyfriends and we would all end up at Chuck E. Cheese together and that was not the type of I want to go out that he wanted (laughs) he wanted like a go out where he and I are spending time together but what I'm going to say again is communication so if he would have said I want to spend quality time with you my wife I want us to go go out and do something. Can you call your mom and ask your mom to keep our kids this weekend? He wasn't saying that. So when I'm trying to plan, and I know that we have these kids that we have to bring with them, because I'm also very funny about my kids. So they are not getting dropped off and cared for by any and everybody because I'm that person that wants to do it. So um, he knows that it also takes a lot for me too to feel as if I want to take my kids somewhere. But if I'm going to take them somewhere, it's going to be for what we need them to be there for. Uh, So I had to have that conversation with him too. A lot of these things that you are saying were a problem in our relationship, you never directly said it to me. So if you don't say it to me, I don't have a crystal ball, right? You may think that I am this awesome woman, right? And I know all these great things, but I don't know that like because you haven't shared it. So a lot of the flaws and faults that I basically was holding him to I was holding him to him because you never addressed it with me. And am I going to say that it would have been an easy fix? No. But am I saying that I would have been that woman that was absolutely willing to work on it and be better at what it was that he needed? Yes, I would have. Right. But instead you go out and do things behind my back without telling me and then want me to be like, well, I did it because of this. So, yes, there were so many. I had to read this book. It was called The Power of a Praying Life by stormy somebody. I can't even think anymore. But I read that book and that book really opened up my eyes because it helps you identify things that were going on in the relationship and lets you know that you do not have the ultimate, uh, like basically the burden doesn't lie on us, right? If a man decides that he's going to cheat and you're not holding a gun to his head making him do it, you can't bear that responsibility. You can't bear credit for that action. And even if he's telling you well, you should have been doing this, right? If you weren't telling me these are things that I needed to do, you can't expect for me to have known this, right? So I had to read that book and really empower myself to be a better person because yes, did I feel like I have failed my marriage? 100%. Did I feel that I had failed my man because he was out here finding other women to sleep around with? 100%. Did it take a lot of self-esteem building for me to get back to where I felt like I was that person? Yes. And I'm also going to tell you that some of the women that I know that he was... You know out here with they were so different than me like i'm this 5-2 chocolate girl right and he's out here messing with these high yellow girls with all these weaves and all these lashes and these nails like a uh, uh, fictitious type of people which i he knew i would never be that right uh-huh. and so part of me felt like i don't even know that he's with the person that he really wants to be with so mm-hmm. there were a lot of struggles within me trying to figure out is this really worth fighting for because i don't at this point know that i am who he really wants
0: okay wow that's pretty clear let, let, let me let me uh, say this again going through all that, i think a lot of couples do go through that and it's sometimes i always feel like it's like a, a piece of paper you uh, you can ball it up but it always still have those wrinkles there mm-hmm. and you yeah. have to be a, a good forgiver and uh I, that's something that I, I i was telling you about to me that i have to try to you know constantly work on because i'm not perfect i'm far from it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I guess for, the, for me, I'm asking the question, how do you just say, OK, all this stuff has happened. It's a big ball. I'm going to throw it away now. How do you throw it away and, and don't go back and pull that up again when you have a disagreement or an argument? Like you said, you had a you, you felt some worried about it when you didn't answer your call. How do you turn yeah.
1: that off? Well, that's what I was going to say. So unfortunately, I'm going to tell you that when we reconciled, I just, I felt like we could not rush back into a marriage because I want to make sure that what we need to survive it, we have it. And I felt like, because I still had a hurt heart and I still had a lot of so regardless that I say, I forgive you, you can't forget it, right? right. And it, it's it's easier to forgive than it ever is to forget. And I had to also be open and honest about that too. Like it's, it's so easy for me to say, I forgive you and I love you and I wanna work on us. But in the same sense, you have to understand that because I am still hurt and I don't really know how I can put that hurt away until you can show me that you are not gonna hurt me again. And I know that that's gonna take some time. So it took time and that's why I'm saying I'm gonna give him a solid seven. And I feel like a solid seven is fair because for the first three years that we were really trying to work on and we relocated and I had to tell them this too, we're going to move to this area. But when we move to this area, do you know, if you have not changed, it's going to follow us, right? Mm -hmm. You can move. I don't care where you go to. If you are still that same person, we're going to still have the same problems, the same issues, the same everything. Right. Um, and when we came, it took some time, but there were things that I was still seeing because he still was slowly having to walk out of what he was so used to being able to do. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. even when you have a platonic relationship with somebody and they're calling you and I don't know anything about this person, but it's a whole female calling you on the phone for 15, 20 minutes. And I don't know her. She may know about me, but I don't know her. I at that point still thought that was disrespectful. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I feel that he can have a platonic relationship? 100%. But if you are keeping it from me, I don't know that it's not something else than, you know, a friendship. So, uh, That was a lot of me healing and me trying to, because I can't, I'm I'm, going to tell you that I don't feel that at any point it was something that he was doing as much as it should have been something as I'm trying to do. That's why I say that people should not rush back into things because sometimes you are still a hurt soul and hurt souls hurt other people, but who they hurt the most is themselves. So um, I had to work on telling him what I needed to see from him. And explain it to him that I don't want to just hear it. I want to see it. So, you know, like, um, and and because we've had established stuff, like just because you don't call me at exactly the time that you call me, I don't want to be this person that's worried about what you're doing. So I need a sense of security. And I also need a sense of stability that you are doing and you want what you are what you are asking me for because um, you want it and not because I want it. Because I also felt like I owed it to him not to bring him back into this relationship. If I knew that I was not going to be able to forgive him 100% for the things that he had done, because if you think about it, if I bring them back that way, it's not going to work anyway. So my mind had to be open to say that we've gone through all this rough these rough patches. But in the same sense, I want to heal myself and to to heal myself first and foremost, I have to be able to let God allow me to see the better in him. And I also need to ask God to heal my heart because I want to be able to give to him what he needs from a woman. You know, like people can walk around and say, I'm his peace, He's my rock. That is the lifestyle that I had to start to live, right? I had to start to identify how can I be not only the best woman for God, but how can I be the best woman for my spouse? How can I be the best mother for my kids? And I think whenever I pull all those pieces together and know what it is that I need to do as a woman and all those components and those hats that I wore, mm-hmm. it allowed me to let go of a lot of things that I was carrying in my bag that I no longer wanted to have.
2: Okay, so I gotta ask. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. To, uh, to me, I gotta ask this question. So I love the example, the analogy you talked about. How you're, you know, you're moving, and sometimes you know, wore. He he knows it. I know it. I do not like moving at all. And sometimes when we're moving, we pack junk that we just don't need to bring with us. So how, how did you really get your mind around that whole idea of hey your your husband has some baggage and you see it it's, it's somehow zipping into the box and somehow that box is getting into the moving van and he's bringing it on into the into the new house or to the new relationship mm-hmm. your marriage 2.0. How do you how do you have that conversation with him to say hey look. You know, we kind of talked about this before and now I'm seeing you trying to open up this box again and that box is Pandora. So how how do you get around that situation while still making him feel validated and and, and have a, a positive relationship with him?
1: just as you said it. <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm, I'll give a prime example. You know, um, this one time he claims that he was going out with, and I will never forget this because this is when I was like, okay, I'm probably about to pack up the whole U-Haul and go back to Evansville. And his family is from the Indianapolis area. So when we came here, I knew I was walking in a territory that I wasn't for sure if I was going to be real comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Because when he was doing some of the things that he was doing, a lot of his family that lived here, like, he was running up and down the highway from Evansville to Indianapolis, or they're coming down to Evansville all of a sudden now, you know, because he's a single man. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I kind of already had my guard up, but I had my guard up because I was like, what I'm not going to do this time is what he thinks I was doing last time, which was not having my eyes open, right? Because mm. clearly he felt that I was missing or not seeing all the signs that he was trying to give me, right? So I, in, in doing my own soul searching, I tell you that, yes, I have to talk to God quite often because sometimes <laughs> I, I feel that I need his guidance more than um, a little bit. I don't need them. Just sometimes I need them all the time. And that also makes me be a better person. But I had to have those same conversations. So when he leaves and he goes out, um, I want him to leave and I want him to go out and I want him to have his fun. And I had to tell him, I'm not going to call you and check in on you, but I do expect for you to come into the house at a decent hour. When you come into the house at a decent hour, I'm also going to tell you that if you go and you sleep on that couch instead of coming here and getting in that bed, I'm going to think that you were doing something you had no business doing. See, because these are things that he did before. So if I can call you out on what I No, then that means that if you decide that you're going to hug up and lay up on some other chick and you know, you're going to come home because the one thing he's not going to do is disrespectfully get in my bed. It's going to naturally make me think that you've done something. And he was like, I'm telling you nothing like that is going to happen. I've changed my ways. Please trust me. Don't be here worried about me out here doing something wrong. And he can say it, but I'm going to tell you that I'm a person that you can say it all day long, but because you've looked Mm -hmm. at me in my face and you told me lies, I'm going to need to see what happens when you walk in this house. And let me tell you what happened. He came in the house and it was seriously probably three something in the morning, almost four o'clock in house. And he got in the bed and he put his arm around me. And my brain was like, because he knows better because I'm not that person that you're gonna bring your little dirty, nasty nothing <laughs> and lay it behind me when you've wow. been with somebody else. So at that Ouch. moment, I felt like he had not done the unthinkable, right? Um, and it gave me a sense of security that night to be like, you did it. You didn't call him. You weren't checking. And you know, we have. I've had. um I don't know. It's called Life 360 now. So we have apps. There's always been apps where you can track people. Back in the day, I used to feel that I needed to do that because he was doing a lot of wrong. When I am as old as I am now, I am not playing Sherlock Holmes on you. Scooby Doo is for fools, not for me. <laughs> well, I just need you to be open and honest about everything. But then I had to be open and honest about things with him too. So when you're going out, this is how I normally feel. And when you don't. Do This this is how I feel, this is why I feel this way. Because if I'm not having those open conversations, and then all of a sudden he walks in the door, I'm not gonna be this woman that's like, Oh my god, you because see, I hate that, right? That is the type of lifestyle that I will never have for my kids. So I'm not gonna do all this screaming and hollering, and I'm upset, and I'm no, I'm not. We just are gonna have a conversation. Like, seriously, what were you doing at three o'clock in the morning, right? Because that's me. And he doesn't like when I come across like that. Like, I sometimes think that he wants me to be like this um wild, hollering, yelling, almost ghetto type chick, but I'm not that. And because he doesn't get that from me, it kind of really um, molds us to be because it's, it's easier for us to have those type of conversations that are, uh, let's see, not easy conversations, right? And they're not always easy for him because he's also this man that it's easier for him to walk away when he knows that he's done something wrong than stand there and face it. So those are things that he and I have had to come to terms with. Even if you've done something wrong, if you tell me and we talk about it, it's going to be more easier for me to deal with it than you walk away and then I find out some other method. Right. And so those are things that we had to talk about too. If it does not come from your mouth and it comes from somebody else's mouth, that is the worst form of disrespect for me. Mm. So don't do it.
0: Wow. You know what? Uh, I'm scared for him if he does anything. So uh, I think he's good <laughs> too. <so. laughs>
1: well, it's, it's not that type of scare ward because it's, it's just, I'm, I'm giving him the same though, too. Right. Like, oh, you know, good. think about it like this. One, we had a, a counseling session and the, um, the counselor asked him, how would you feel if your wife did this to you? So y'all want to hear something that just really broke me. And I was like, yep, this divorce is definitely going to happen. He said she wouldn't. Oh, so think about that the confidence, the confidence. And he 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 went on to say she's not like that. She wouldn't do that. She doesn't sleep around because he knew what he had. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea what I was dealing with. And so that, hurt that too, uh, probably in the worst way. Wow. Because then that that let me know that he also was a master manipulator, right? So you know that you have this mm. woman that is going to be completely dedicated and devoted to you
0: yeah, and see. willing
1: to mm. be there 100% for you and you don't have to worry about me going out doing this and doing that and blah, 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 blah. So you know how secure that made him feel? So secure. Yes. But yes. when the divorce really happened, then all that security that he thought he had was now gone out the window, gone, mm-hmm. because he, it's what he least expected. Right, because he had it all the way sitting at the top of his pedestal, like I can do it, I'm gonna get away with it. She's not gonna cheat on me, she loves me. She's not this wild woman that's gonna be having multiple affairs because I can't juggle both. So, because I think that that, that's my thing too. Even when we were having issues and I have friends on the side, I always felt like I'm this person that I have to tell him like, okay, so I'm talking to this guy and I just feel that we shouldn't have all these conversations all the time. He's like, what, you're talking to somebody and then you know what happened, I'll just turn it off. Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be talking to him, but he's out here living out his best life so again those were some of my struggles too but it was also me also knowing that i wasn't ready to be dealing with somebody else right because i still felt like i needed to be committed and dedicated devoted to him
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely see your your point you know what i i would love to go on but i I, I just I, we, we had to move on to our next section but man that's so many questions but we're gonna move on we, yes we gotta we
1: gotta move we on can definitely this. move on <laughs>
0: yeah um Again, I do want to just put a little asterisk by and say, I really do respect your husband, you know, for going through that, uh, to going through the counseling and being able to be open and honest, because that's not easy for a lot of guys. It's so not. I, so I commend him for, for doing that. So to kudos to him. Uh, now we're going to move to a section of the show called Getting to Know You, as if we don't already. Okay. But we're just going to ask you just a few questions and then we're going to wrap it up, okay?
1: Awesome. Yes.
0: Okay. My first question to ask you I know you have a. Little streak of gray in your hair. You've always had that. I like that. Is that real or is it, you just do diet like that?
1: So it's one hundred percent real. And I, I wish that we were on a on a podcast where I can show you something because it start growing in probably I wanna say roughly when I was like maybe in the ninth grade Um, and all my friends would be like, oh my gosh, you have another gray hair. So we would just snatch them out, snatch them out, snatch them out. And it was always right at the front of my hair. Um, And by the time that I was probably in the 11th grade, it was like a whole little skunk patch. And I hated it, and everybody <laughs> thought that it was like so super duper cool. But finally, my mother was like, "Okay, okay." She gave in and she let me color it. So for years, I kept it colored because, like, here I am, you know, an eleventh grader with gray hair, a gray straight hair. Right. Yeah. Um. And was I worried and stressed out about stuff? No. Uh, what's interesting is they do think that it has something to do with my autoimmune because it's it's all about how your body develops pigmentation or loses pigmentation too soon. Okay. Um. So anyway, it is one hundred percent natural, but. My my mother's hair she is only gray in the front like it looks like a headband but right where my gray patch is she's still totally black so Mm. people in Evansville who know us are like you are so your mother's kid because if we stood right side by side like I have a picture of us and it's like the most amazing picture we are standing with our my daughters and my gray streak is right there and her black streak is right there and if I if you put me in front of her and pushed our bodies together it would completely take up her gray
0: wow wow okay well a picture will be on the um on the the post of this so people can see you there. They'll see you. Okay. Go ahead, Trey. Go ahead,
2: Trey. So with all the free time that you have with the six kids and school and work and and balancing home life and everything else and uh, ensuring your health is safe, do you prefer Friday evenings or Sunday mornings?
1: Definitely Sunday mornings.
2: Okay. Why do you prefer the Sunday
1: mornings? So Sunday mornings are usually my downtimes, and they're my Mm -hmm. down times because today I'm doing this podcast with both you and Ward, Mm -hmm. but what is interesting is I normally do my homework for my master's program on Saturdays because I like Sundays to be my day that I seriously can wind down. And I have like a lot of inspirational books that i start my week um, off on a positive note. So that gives me time to just really love on my family for that day, invest in my spirituality for that day, and then just be at um, a peaceful stance on god's day to move into the week to know that i'm gonna you know have like a great week that's kind of how i look at it so sundays are really my days to myself
0: okay and the family uh what books are you actually reading now
1: So I have a new book and it's called, uh, the power of a praying mother.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm,
1: I'm looking through that book because, you know, um, it has been very challenging for me now and having two kiddos especially my oldest, because she's really struggling with this whole MS cause it's a new diagnosis. And then here I I asked her to sit out for this semester while we're going through her treatment. But it's, it's hard when you have to be that mother that is given your grown daughter, suggestions on how to better work with her illness too, because I also don't want her to get into a situation to where the the illness has her instead of her having the illness. But I'm the same way with my son who was just recently diagnosed because of course he, when we first had the diagnosis and he went back to school, he was feeling different because he's got this little, um, he wears a Dexcom. So he's got a Dexcom. He's got to go back and forth to the nurse's office. He's got to get all these injections. Um, and so I'm reading it because it's, it's really learning now how to be okay with those days that I feel like I could be a better mom with everything that I have going on, but also feeling already like I am the best mom that I can be. But now I have new challenges that are kind of um making me feel as if I need to be able to give more of me that's really not there but identifying how I can do it and still feel okay with what I miss right so because because every day we're gonna there's something that we're not going to check off our list right Mm -hmm. so um, that's what I've been kind of investing in here lately because I just feel that I need it like I I need that reminder like my kids would never be like we've been without anything right or my mom's not been here for us for that but deep down inside sometimes I feel like I'm juggling with so much I want to make sure that what I'm doing and how I'm investing is not taken away from who I really am and then how I want to be seen as their mom. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there's also this idea that, you know, I've heard the saying you can't you cannot pour from an, from an empty cup. From an empty so, cup.
1: Absolutely. So
2: how do you how do you recharge so that you can give back to others? What, what do you do for yourself?
1: So normally I don't do a whole lot for myself, uh-huh. but it's because I don't always feel that I require a whole lot. But what I do require is just some time where I'm doing something specifically for me. Right. And that is sometimes just being in my bedroom with my bedroom door closed and my kids know give mommy her time. Right. Because I need that. That's even like today doing this whole little event. I don't often do a lot of stuff for myself. So this is a plus for me, too. Right. Because most of the time I'm being pulled and dragged with everything that the kids are doing. Things have calmed down with COVID because I don't have kids that are actively involved in sports. Um and extracurricular activities. So it's given me a lot more time to really be able to focus on me and then also being able to give to the kids without having to be rushed to give to the kids. And the same applies with me and John too, because sometimes I feel like our schedules are so conflicting that I'm feeling like I'm having to write him in a book um, for us to be able to get things done or do things together or spend quality time with each other. Um, And in this COVID arena, we've been able to really slow things down and really be intentional and purposeful for the amount of time and quality time we want to spend with each other
0: mm-hmm. yep okay uh, my last question would be actually I'm gonna make it a two-parter part eight what celebrity do you get told you look uh, most like and what's, who is somebody you would uh, like to meet dead or alive
1: so I have never been told that I look like anybody that I can think about. Like, that's so funny, but I'm going to tell you that people have said, called me Corella Deville because of this little gray streak. <laughs> I don't look like her by any means, but I do have that gray streak. But I've also been called, I think her name is Storm. I'm not real for sure because I'm not yeah. really a banger okay. type person. Yeah. So, those two things. But I'm going to tell you that a long time ago when I was younger and I used to keep my hair cut super duper short, it's grown out a little bit now. But, um, People would say I kind of resemble one of the men, God forbid, but in Tony, 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 right? And I had to look at like, hey, yeah. I do kind of have that mouth. Because, I mean, I have nice straight teeth, but yeah, I have right. a open mouth, Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, so that is somebody who I know that people have kind of said. But outside Sadiq. of that, it's usually that. Yes, that's him. That's him. So I was going to yeah, say, I, don't I even see. look him. And it's been such a long time ago because, I mean, I, I was a high schooler. At I that. can see it. I can see but it. But that is somebody. Um, And as far as who would I want to meet dead or alive? Honestly, I'm going to say that if I could meet somebody dead or alive, it would probably be Maya Angelou. Mm. Because some of her poems, especially her Phenomenal Woman, that Mm. Phenomenal, like I had a car right after me and I got divorced. And I think I did this on purpose. But it said Phenomenal Woman on the front of my car. Mm. Because I I felt like I had to recreate myself um, based on what I knew that I needed to become to be a better self, right? Yeah. Because people don't know where they are until you've been broken. And Man. it doesn't mean broken by financial aspects or anything. I'm saying emotionally, I seriously was in a run. Mm-hmm. And so reading a lot of that Phenomenal Woman poem gave me the courage to be like, I am a phenomenal woman, phenomenally, yep. right? Nice. Um, yep. So mm-hmm. that's somebody who I would love to, love to me because when I read a lot of her poetry, to me, sometimes in ways that other works don't speak to me, because I feel like she came from a place of uncertainty, but was given a lot of clarity in regards to what we, especially as women, need to think and or be about self.
0: Yeah, she went through a lot of stuff too, a lot of she changes. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead,
2: Trenton. Nice tag onto my, my last question. You, you know, you know where you've been, you, you know where you are, and you, you, I. I kind of get the feeling you know where you're going to. What what piece of advice would you give to, you know, to individuals who are in, in a similar situation where, where relationships have gone through ups and downs and you're dealing with... Uh, you know, health conditions and trying to make sure that things are just kind of jelling together. What what advice do you find is helpful that you would want to share with our listeners?
1: So I think that for me, it's just always the fact that I have to t- stay true to self, right? And when I say that stay true to self, I know my weaknesses and I know my strengths, right? Because I feel that we are only as powerful as we know where we are weak. And so I also have to know what my weaknesses are because I need to know when I need to reach out to others because it's the most difficult thing. For me to do is to reach out and ask anybody to help me do anything because I feel like I can do everything. Right. So um, I feel like people really need to be empowered to know that we can do it all. But sometimes it is okay to ask for help. Sometimes it is okay to have that hard conversation with somebody to really lay our emotions and feelings out on them because we don't get to do that too often when we are going through things. But I'm also going to say that it is Um, an area to where you really learn and know who your true family and friends are when you're going through something because there have been people that I had to cut completely off because they liked me when I was in that crazy stage, right? When Mm. crazy things were going on in my life and when things got good for me, all of a sudden you seen them more absent or they you know, weren't the cheerleaders that they were before. And I am okay with cutting people off that don't bring me peace in life, right? And so I think that people need it. When I say stay true, that includes that peace too sometimes people are in our lives for reasons and seasons and it is okay if God removes them you just love them from a distance pray for everybody and keep it moving
0: Man, facts. well okay people we're at the end of this show so let me do my final wrap ups we want to thank uh, Miss Jones for sharing her story with us today and we definitely look forward to hearing from you again in the future because we know the, the sky's the limit for you
1: well I greatly appreciate both of you having me on tonight
0: alright I will finish up by saying this I'm stronger because I had to be. I'm smarter because of my mistakes and others. I'm happier because of my sadness I've known. And now I'm wiser because I've learned what I need to learn for me. A wise physician once said, the best medicine for humans is love. But someone asked, but what if it doesn't work? And he replied, increase the dose. On behalf of What's Up Award, I'm Woody Ward. He's Trey All Day, and she's Tamina Jones. Thank you, guys, and peace. Peace. Peace.